Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various aspects of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. Can I call you Robbie? You can, can I call you Robbie not, Kane? Can't call me, not Robbie. Hey. Uh, Robbie's Robbie. not, I'm not down with Robbie. Flexible name. Okay. But not Robbie. Bobby. What's your name? Well, Bobby. My name's Bill. <laughs> Bill Gromlick. Bill Gromlick. <laughs> and what are we getting into, guess? Bill? Yeah, so we're getting into uh, Joel chapter 2, verses 18 through 27 today on the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about some prophecies that Joel makes, how he, some of those are historical, and some of those are still yet to come. So it's a pretty good kind of walk through that passage. We're also going to learn about Vanguard Financial Institution. <laughs> That's right. So invest your time in this episode. How's it going? It's going well, man. Got myself mm. a cup of coffee. And that was the first cup of the day, which is yeah. tends to be my favorite because it yes. still means it's early and a little dark outside. Mm. And right now it's November, so yes. it's also a little brisk and chilly outside. I'm, I'm sitting inside with my pullover on as mm. well as a vest. So I'm yeah. still a little brisk. <clears throat> so to have the hot cup of coffee right here. And talking to you, man. The only thing you need good is a fireplace crackling. Oh, dude. Let me turn on the TV and pull up a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Candace will do that. She'll put it on the, like YouTube or whatever. I, I don't know if I, I like that or not. I know several people who do it, but I'm just like, it's like if I can't have it, yeah, I don't want it. Yeah, so that when you do have the real thing, you enjoy mm-hmm. it that much more. Yeah, that's that's it right there. Yeah, that's it, man. I'll still throw it on the TV because I, I oh, desire throw it, it that on. much. Yeah, get on there. I'm not doing it right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, Rob, uh, it's it's Happy Tuesday morning to you. Happy Tuesday here here in the uh, Midwest. Um, <laughs> I think it's Tuesday throughout the rest of the nation, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know about that. I just know about the Midwest here. <laughs> How was your weekend, Rob? It was good. Yeah, it was an encouraging encouraging Sunday, and. Good. What made it encouraging for you? Um, that's, that's a good question. I think it's just being around our people. Our people are great at church, mm-hmm. and um, we're always dealing with stuff. But like our people are overall really great and very encouraging. Yes. And I felt like I, for the most part, said what I wanted to say on Sunday, which is mm-hmm. relatively rare. I always yeah. feel like I there are big things that I wanted to say that I just overlooked, mm-hmm. but. Felt like I said for the most part what I wanted to say. Could have said things better, but I was yeah. relatively happy with the way things were delivered, and yeah, yeah. our people were encouraging. And now we've got group tonight, so yeah, there it's been go. encouraging. Good. What about Thanks you? How was your weekend? It was good. It was encouraging. Um, I think what we did Friday went out with a, just a little family. Went out, hung out, went to the library, got some dinner, a little outing to get out of the house. Yeah, that was nice. Saturday, um, worked on the house a lot. Then we went trick-or-treating with you guys. That's right. Kings and the Swansons. That was a good time. That was a great time. Um, Sorry, I didn't go past and, Sunday in my weekend. No, that's okay. That's okay, you know, Rob. You're a highlight. I don't want you to think you're not a highlight. Yeah. <laughs> no, I heard. I heard what you didn't say, okay? <laughs> that's not what you said. Sunday, um, that's what you Sunday didn't was say. good. 
It was it was Reformation Reformation Day. Did you we, mention that at church? Yeah, yeah. yeah same. I introduced my sermon that way. So did um, I. Did you really? Yeah. That was good. Um, it actually worked out really well because uh, we're wrapping up Micah. We wrapped up Micah on Sunday, Micah 7. And Micah's the whole like book of Micah, he's just telling the people, like, you're not following the truth. Return to the Lord. Um, love the Lord. Love the Word. Love God. Nice. Like, that was Martin Luther's... Like that was what he was doing when he started the reform when he was doing his part to start the Reformation, and just shared how quickly what the Reformation was, the five solas, and um, yeah, it was good. Um, again, I'm with you. Like when you gather, when the sorry, when I have a chance to go to other churches and speak or or, or sick or something, um, and you just miss like mm-hmm. your people, and that is a it's a, something I have not experienced to this level. And it's just been a, a huge blessing and encouragement. So, yeah, it was good. Um, we have one more week of Candace leading music, and then she'll be done because she's having a baby here in a few weeks. So nice. That, um, I'm excited. I'm really excited for her to just uh, be done with that. But all in all, doing well. It was a good weekend. Feel encouraged. Um, Starting to get my office cleaned up yesterday. My office was yeah, you sent me that picture. Disaster. That thing looked looks so sad. Like a dumpster in here, but but you need to up. you need to provide some context. You guys are doing some home. We live in a dumpster, so <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you just got lazy and stopped cleaning your office. You live or in your house right now. You guys are doing yeah. some home renovations. You're doing some home kitchen. renovations, you know. So Rob, the office is like the the processing center. Everything comes back here that doesn't have a, a home or it doesn't get to its home or something. So, but yeah. Good, good stuff, Rob. Yeah, encouraging weekend, encouraging day yesterday. Encouraged to be here with you. Cup of coffee, no fireplace, but dude, it's a great mug, Lord by the way. Good. Thank you. You wanna yeah. you wanna share where that mug came from? This mug um, came from Risen Thrift, which is a nonprofit in Danville, Ohio. If you live in the greater Midwest area and you would love to donate your quality home goods or furniture. By all means, take it to Risen Thrift in Danville. Or, Which, if you want to go shopping, a great thrift store, Risen Thrift. Which is Six a... East Market Street. 6 East Market Street in Danville, Ohio. I say faith-based. Boom. It is faith-based. The owner yeah. is an elder at your church. Yep. Well, he doesn't own it, but he runs it. Okay. Yeah. They're, not, they're not sponsoring the episode, but we are they're giving not. them some airtime. So, yeah. I'm sure their they sales they... will skyrocket to where they won't be able to handle it. So, they can Just make us later. flock there. Yeah. Like the locusts. Run, don't walk. In Joel. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so we are in Joel. We're getting back into Joel. We took a break last week to mm-hmm. talk about Mike Stone and Russell Moore. And we didn't really get to finish that conversation. Do you like want to finish the conversation? To? No, I mean I think we I, I don't know if we need to. I'm just saying Yeah. I feel like we were we ran out of time, which is understandable. Yeah. We used a lot of time. That's my fault. No, no, it's this well, is life. I mean, it was. Um but yeah, just I just want to acknowledge that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, we did in that um, quickly. We were not able to cover, I think, as much as we were wanting to, uh, just more on the Christian just ethics side of lawsuits. So, yeah. Yeah, but so we did that last week, and we're back in Joel this week. Yep. So we are in Joel 18 through 27. I'll read mm-hmm. it. And then Rick. We will listen to the Richard W. Gromlich commentary. So, here we go. Joel, chapter 2, starting verse 18. Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. 
the Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I will remove the northerner far from you, and drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the eastern sea, and his rearguard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain, as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has, dwe- who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> that was good, Rob. Yeah, so if um, just a, a little bit of context. The way that the, the section, the passage we had covered a couple weeks ago ends, um, Mike is decl- or Joel is, is telling the people to repent and pray that the Lord would, would relent of his judgment. And mm. so verse 17 of Joel chapter 2 says, Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests of the ministers of the Lord weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? So that's the, the end. That's verse 17. And then verse 18 says, Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. So we see this: the people repenting and crying out for the Lord, and the Lord having mercy in, in, towards them and being gracious towards them. And he begins to restore um, some of the things that he had been taking away from them. You see the Lord beginning to protect them from their enemies, but you see him restoring um, the grain and the wine and the oil, and that they will be satisfied. Um, they, will be, they will not be a reproach among the nations. And in this passage, 18 through 27, Rob, you and I were talking about this before we started recording, how there seems to be kind of a, a meshing of prophecies, a, a prophecy that, that are gonna, prophecies that are going to happen relatively quickly, um, soon from Micah's perspective that are now historical, they've already happened, and there's prophecies that are still yet to come that are more eschatological, more for the end times that, that will be fulfilled. Um, because as you work through this prophecy, you, you, you it can't all be historical, and it can't it doesn't seem like it's all still yet to come. And we've said this before, but remember, when, when talking about prophecy, um, a good, a helpful way to view it is like a, a mountain range that's way off the distance. So from a, from a long distance, you can see the mountain range, and you can see the different peaks. And for when you're miles and miles away, the peaks look like they're all kind of like right up against each other. Hmm. But once you get up to a mountain range, those peaks might be miles and miles apart. But from that first perspective, they were right up against each other. So likewise, a prophecy can actually have things that are going to happen 
quickly, like soon, relatively soon from when they're prophesied. And then at the same time, things uh, could be declared that are still years and years or thousands of years out. So so that's kind of like a little bit more of the understanding as we're working through this passage. Yeah, that's a helpful illustration when it comes to considering how we read prophecy and how we understand passages like this one. Um, one of the things that we point out is the, in verse 18, the Lord became jealous for his land. Now, whenever I see um, the word jealous come up in the Old Testament, or um, I don't know if it comes up in the New Testament or not, but when, when God is described as a jealous God, I always think of Oprah. Have you heard of this? No. Oh, yeah. So, Oprah, so, Oprah Winfrey? Yeah, yeah. So, so like, there's like this famous thing where she said that she could never worship a God that was, that was jealous. Oh, yes, yeah. And it, it's a, just a, a clear misunderstanding of what the text is getting at. And when it says jealous, it doesn't mean like a, a pouting God off in the corner who's jealous of something that, of someone who has something that he doesn't have and he's pouting. It, it's coveting or anything like that. It's a God who loves us so deeply that he longs for us and he wants us and he does not want us to go toward destruction. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a deep devotion that ends up being the thing, the impetus that leads him to intervene. And so you see the Lord became jealous for his land. He, he loved his people. He loved his land. And so when they come before him and repent, he welcomes them. And he, he ends up showing pity on them. So when you see jealous, you mm-hmm. see God being described as a jealous God, it's it's a reference to God's love and devotion to his people in the same way that I'm jealous for my wife. I mm-hmm. want her time. Yeah. I yeah. want her affection. And yeah. if she were to give her time and affection to another man, then mm-hmm. that would be painful for me. Right. Because of my the love and devotion that I have for her, in the same way, but even greater, the Lord God is jealous for His people, yeah. and that's like it's designed like the the relationship is designed a set way, right? God designed the relationship with for you and Danielle a set way for a husband and wife, and so for Him and His people, and it's like His jealousy is that He wants it to be right again, hmm. which is the most life giving thing for us. Yeah. It's the most glorifying thing. For others to see and, and like it, yeah anyway that's good that's yeah. a good point because I, I think people can read these minor prophets and just the old testament like man god is just like jealous over here angry like he's pouting he's not getting what he wants and he's like slaughtering people and which all that is untrue actually the reality is the lord is is working his will which is the best thing for all creation hmm. all the time you know yeah. And to, to be able to take rest in that rather than to get worked up about it. But Oprah Winfrey has a lot of, uh, she has a lot of other issues as well. well. Yeah, a lot of interesting teachings. Mm-hmm. Isn't she, is she like a, a new age person or she's just kind of like all over the map? I think it's implied. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of Oprah. You, know, you don't? I, mean, I know, I know you would think Oprah. that I do, but. Does she still have a TV show? She has a, like a I, channel or something. I, say, I think she has more than a show. I think she has a channel. I will say this just as a historical comment. Um, I remember when people started having a channel. Like that was that was kind of like a huge thing. Like before, it's like I don't know who owned a channel, but somehow a channel seemed like this. Like it was like land. Like they don't make yeah. more channels. Yeah, yeah, channels yeah. are set, and so whoever owns a channel owns like whatever part of a planet. 
And so when people started like, oh, they started their own channel, it's like, how big are these people mm-hmm. in their own channel? But now, like, channels start up all the time. It's no big deal. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, um, Rick, we... Mm. So, you see, verse 18, God became jealous for his land. So, mm-hmm. you see God's jealousy. Yes. He's just pity on his people. So, his kindness to welcome repentant sinners, just as, as a side note, like, any time you come before the Lord repentance every time he will welcome you back mm. there's this Amen. there's this uh idea that we have that we have to be we have to beat ourselves up for a little bit and i'm sensitive to that because that that's how i felt for a long time and still wrestle with where if i yeah. fall i have to i have to kind of wallow in it for a while and really feel the weight of it before going back to the lord because i think that if i go back to the lord too quickly he's going to be like whoa wait a second have you even taken any time to think about what you did? Like, go go yeah. think about it for a little bit longer and then come back to me. But that's not the God that we serve. We serve mm-hmm. a God that as soon as we come back to him with a repentant heart, he forgives and he welcomes us back. He will in no way cast out. Gentle and lowly talks about that. He has a whole section, a whole chapter called I Will In No Wise Cast Out. Mm-hmm. And that was a powerful chapter for me because he just goes through yeah. each excuse that we give, oh, but I'm uh, I'm a consistent sinner, or, oh, I've, I've sinned against God, or all, oh, and he goes through all this whole list, and each time God says, I will in no way cast out. I'm not going to cast you out. Come yeah. back to me. Turn from your sin. Come back to me. I'm here with open arms. I love you. I'm jealous for you. When you come back to me, it <clears throat> exalts the cross. It exalts mm-hmm. the gospel, because yeah. it shows how powerful the gospel is over the sin that you just committed. So if you're able to come back quickly, if you're then and I'm able to forgive you, then it shows how magnificent this work is that has been done. If if we feel like we have to pay our own penitence for a little bit, maybe for a few hours or maybe for a day or maybe for a week, then it minimizes the work of the cross. But if we come back to God and are confident that he will in fact welcome us back and he will forgive us, then it magnifies the work of the cross and therefore magnifies God and he's glorified in your repentance. And so we, we see that that was just a side tangent, but praise God for it. Like we see God as a jealous God. We see him showing pity on his people. And then we see him answering his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, and then he goes on to explain everything that he's going to do for them. But not only does God welcome you back, but he's willing to answer you. And, and the primary way that he has answered you is in Scripture. Yeah. So when you do go back to God, when you do repent, trying to do our tagline here of connecting theology, the theology of mm-hmm. repentance to everyday life, when you do go to God in repentance, really helpful thing is to open up the Word, yeah. to get yourself back into God's words, hear God's words wash over you, read the Word, meditate on it, and then pray those mm-hmm. words back to God. So don't let it just be a, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn, and then there's not going to be any fruit. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. But yeah. one of the primary ways that we do that is by getting ourselves back into a place where we are hearing God's words over us. And here, God, yeah. his people come back to him, and then he speaks to them. Yeah, amen. Now, and even and just as you're talking about, like, the, this, the pattern of repentance and then the Lord 
nurturing and, and sustaining us. And even Micah's, like what, or like you're saying, Micah, Joel is mm-hmm. saying here, uh, you know, that as the people have repented, he begins to, to heal and to restore their land and to remove the threats of the of their enemy. And he begins to, in just in verse 21, it says, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green, right? For the tree bears its fruit. Verse 23, be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down from for you abundant rain. This just idea, this pattern, this display really of the Lord's gracious love for us, right? So he, he restores us. And this, we, as you're saying, we, we often have this idea of like fearing the Lord at the same time. And just like we had to pull back, we had to like just wait. And he's just like, listen, fear not. Like I'm, I'm restoring these things because I love you. Yeah, right. That's the Lord became jealous of His people because He loves His people, hmm. and so we too, when we are have a, a heart of repentance, our flesh and the enemy in the world's always saying, "Fear, pull back," and the Lord is saying, "Listen, fear not. Come with bold assurance to the throne of grace." And that's what the Lord has for us. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. So let me ask you this: um, as mm-hmm. we see in verse twenty. Yeah. I will remove the northerner far from you. So we were even having that discussion off air about this, mm. particularly verse 25, uh, verse 24 and 25. But when you see northerner, who yeah. who is Joel talking about? Who is the Lord talking about here? Yeah, so as I was reading, and it does not appear that anyone really knows. So it could they were saying how most of Israel's um, attacks, threats, were from the north. Almost all of their threats were from the north. So it could have been just those who have been threatening the land. It could also be like um, a, a prophecy towards the end times, depending on how the, how the Lord works out what he's doing with the nation. It could be a future reference, like a end time reference. Um, it would appear, though, there's that for sure there's two things that are referenced a physical army, and then the army of locusts, right? So this passage is talking um, 17 through through 28 about this theme that we've been going through from chapter 1 about the locusts, this army of locusts. So the, the Lord will remove and then restore what the locusts have taken, but he's also, I think, going to removing and restoring what a physical army has come and destroyed. Yeah, in my reading, it was talking about the, the northerner, and it said that, it may be the locusts, it may be an invading army, or maybe a final apocalyptic enemy of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, however, to your point, uh, one of the things that was brought up in the reading was that the reference to locust, if the northern is the locust, that would seem unusual, because they said that locusts typically came from the south or from the east. And then also Jeremiah and Ezekiel portray an enemy coming from the north. So it would seem that this is more of a physical army, even though just all cards on the table, reading this passage before going into what some commentary says about it, I read that and I was like, oh yeah, it's clearly talking about the locust, especially verse 25, um, Mm -hmm. where he says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. And I don't think, to, to, to what you were saying offline, I don't think that um, verse 25 is referring to a 
a human or a man army. Mm-hmm. I think it is referring to um, the locust, mm-hmm. but I think this passage as a whole does leave room for the, oppor- the opportunity to talk about the locust and another human army. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely like the <clears throat> the Lord's judgment earlier in, in chapter 1 and 2 about like the dryness of the land, everything, uh, every single thing that's of vegetation has been withered and died and destroyed. Like and in that, this chapter, it's like all green again. and Right. And so that, that would depict a, a locust, a physical locust plague. And then, you know, the Lord will restore that um, as well. So, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you on there. Yeah. What, with, what's a vanguard? We see that um, in verse 20. I'll drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the eastern sea, and his rear guard into the western sea. I always, I'll be honest, I'm going to look at this. I always thought a vanguard was like a um, financial a, advisor company. <laughs> was it like a, for, like a forward defense? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're very, very close. So, vanguard, at least in the ESV study Bible, says that it's his face, like the front. And the rear guard is obviously the back. Okay. What are you What are you looking up? What are you finding? Okay, I was just I was just doing a little bit of my own research. A little logos research. <laughs> I mean, just looked on the the greater interwebs. There you go. Um, Bing. Yeah, you went to Bing. <laughs> I mean, that was you asked Chief. That, that was a lot of marketing dollars down the <laughs> down the toilet for that. Dude, they're still pushing it. Bing. Yeah, that was like ten years ago. Or Dude, more. they're still pushing it. All right. Well, we're pushing the Lord's salvation. <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, I mean, we, we see here that um, towards the end of this passage, that there's these promises um, that will be made. It says, as you were talking about verse uh, 24 and 25, the, the, the Lord will restore. And then 26, um, you will shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and, the pray, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is no one else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. So here in these these last couple of verses, we this is the part where I think this is much more um, eschatological in its pro- prophecy. So it's not because since this prophecy, whether you believe that Joel was prophesying before the exile or even after, we know that. Um, Israel has been put to shame. Um, there has been times when they have not been completely satisfied. And we'd say that the passage uh, that the Lord shall be in the midst of Israel, that's, that's Jesus, right? That's Jesus coming yeah. to reign and to rule his people in the midst physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could say even the Holy Spirit with his church. Yeah, that's good. And, and him talking about his people will never be put to shame again. I mean, tying it back to that vanguard and rear guard where he, mm-hmm. he says in verse 20 that his vanguard, so the front of this army will be put into the eastern sea and the rear guard, the back of this army will be put into the western sea. Um, the ESV study Bible just points out that, it, that that shows that the destruction is complete and final. Mm-hmm. And where yeah. else are we promised that the enemy of God's people is going to be destroyed completely and finally? We see that in the coming Christ, where death is right. destroyed um, once and for all through the God-man, Christ Jesus. And so this is a little bit of a foreshadowing of the great victory that we're going to see in the God of Israel who comes to dwell among his people. 
the greater Israel, those who are in Christ. So um, as we look at this passage, we're, we're seeing not only some probably historic things that have taken place, um, but as you said earlier, intermixed with some prophetic things that are yet to, mm-hmm. to fully and finally take place. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 27, we see uh, the Lord say, you shall know that I'm in the midst yeah. of Israel and that I'm the Lord your God and there's none else. That right there, I am the Lord your God, is him recognizing his covenantal bond with Israel. He's reminding them, hey, I told you that I'm the Lord your God. I'm going to do this work to remind you, to so that you can recognize yet again this covenant that I am keeping. I am, in fact, the Lord your God, and there is none else. There's no other God that's going to come to your rescue. There's no other God who's going to take your enemy and completely and utterly destroy them. I mm-hmm. am the one. There's no one else. Put your hope in me and me alone. And God does this, finally, in the person of Christ, where he takes away all of our shame. The the passage ends, and my people shall never again be put to shame. All of our shame is taken away in Christ, who God in the flesh came to destroy our enemy once and for all, and so that we can know his covenant faithfulness, all these covenants throughout the Old Testament that he has made, and now he fulfills them all finally in the new covenant of Christ, taking uh, taking away our sin and giving us his righteousness so that we can have um, eternal communion with God. Yeah. And even, I mean, <clears throat> you know, we're heading towards like Christmas, and we there's so much to celebrate about Christmas. We celebrate, we celebrate Christ in his coming, his uh, Emmanuel, mm. his dwelling with man, and that he will yet again dwell with us like that is our hope and so micah's joel's joel's declaration and micah's declaration their hope and our hope is the same christ eventually dwelling with us yeah and like i just think you know it's 700 years ish we're not sure where um you know joel had prophesied and he's waiting for the messiah the messiah comes two thousand years later here we are waiting for the Messiah to come again. Hmm. And like our hope is all anchored in the same thing, that what Christ accomplished on the cross for us to, to re- atone for us, redeem us, adopt us in, and we will spend eternity with him. Not um, just kind of vegging out, you know, watching football or hanging in a hammock or whatever, but glorifying and enjoying the Lord forever and seeing his glory in a way that we've never seen it before. Um, and that's that's our hope. That's Micah's hope. I keep saying Micah because we're preaching through Micah. That's Joel's hope, Micah's hope, my hope, your hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, there is no other hope. There's no other place to turn. And why, like, why do we as people begin or even like, it just, it, 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 it floors me when I think about like my struggle with like sin or pride or coveting things. Like why would I ever expect this thing I bought or this person's affirmation or this other thing to bring me satisfaction or hope. Yeah. Like nothing apart from the Lord can do that. I know that scripture tells me that my own experience tells me that, but yet the temptation is to look to other things, to look to other gods to, you know, and this is the pattern we see with the nation of Israel. Like the Lord protects and he provides and they're like, all right, thank you, Lord. 
and then all of a sudden, well, you know, but there is Baal, and there's these other, <laughs> these other gods we want to worship, and you know, these other women look pretty good, and and the Lord's just like, man, none of these will ever satisfy. Yeah, they never do. Only the Lord. Hmm. That's good. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, just uh, we'll finish out, Lord willing, next week, um, the chapter two of Micah, which does get into more uh, prophecy about the end times. So I'm looking forward to that. Hey, oh. All right. Cool. If you have any uh, insight, anything that you would like to uh, let us know about, feel free to go over to simpletheology.org. You can leave us a, a comment. You can reach out to us. You can suggest mm-hmm. a topic. You can find all of our social media stuff on there. Um, nice. And if you would like, our website does have this technology, you're able to go over to simpletheology.org, and in the bottom right, you can leave us a voice message. So if you want to, if you don't feel like typing, but you feel like giving a word of encouragement, or you feel Mm. like asking a question, or if you want to say something that you'd like us to play on air, we'd be happy to do that as well. I mean, presuming it's acceptable to play on air. (laughs) Know how some of our listeners can be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The rowdy bunch. That's right. That's right. But yeah, feel free to do that, guys. You can reach out to us. We would love to hear some topics. We went off script last week, did a a separate topic. If you would like us to to do that with another topic, please feel free to throw it out and um, Lord willing, we'll be able to to get to that. So other than that, um, I don't have anything else. You can hit us on social media, facebook.com slash theology, instagram.com slash simple theology pod but you can find all that on our website so trying to do more of what you said rick just direct people to the website simpletheology.org go there you'll find all of our episodes have a, have all the information you need all right that's it peace out y'all cool. peace